0: Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex Christian and a non believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Nico Bakulich.
1: And I'm Lauren O'Neill.
0: And let's get biblical. Just to remind you really quickly, I'm the one who's not very religious. That's me, Nico. I am also reading the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. And this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. If that's what you were looking for, I'm very sorry, but you probably won't be happy with what you found.
1: (laughs) Um, I'm Lauren. I'm the one who was raised Christian, um, and I am now an atheist. I'm reading the NIV, or New International Version. The scholarly notes in my Bible take everything that happened literally, so that's interesting to read. That's not what makes it the NIV. The NIV is just a particular translation, but... Um, that's what I'm finding in my Bible. And we also just want to warn you that the Bible often contains explicit content about sex and violence. So this may not be the podcast for everyone. Definitely not for kids.
0: So what book did we read today?
1: We read Numbers.
0: Numbers. It's got a three instead of an E, right?
1: Yes, <laughs> because it's the fourth book of the Bible.
0: Mm-hmm. But they count, they count zero. So
1: it all makes sense in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, It's also the fourth book of the Torah. We're still in the Torah. And um, the Hebrew name of this book is Bemidbar, which means in the desert.
0: Okay, that makes sense.
1: Um, And reading it felt like wandering through the desert for 40 years. You
0: know, that's interesting that you say that because the scholarly notes at the, the little essay before this chapter in my Bible was like, the israelites journey through the desert and you know rebellion and and boredom and difficulty is supposed to reflect the spiritual journey of of like coming to terms with being a a believer like it's a difficult journey to 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 be a good believer
1: well if that was a literary device then mm-hmm. i think they achieved it because my experience of this book was suffering <laughs> um it's called numbers in english because it um it starts with the Israelites taking a census. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple other.
0: <laughs> it's like it, the nested, it's got a nested census format to yes. it, right? So
1: they, they take...
0: You all know what that means, right? Nested <laughs> census format? Yeah,
1: that's a standard industry <laughs> term.
0: Classic NCF situation.
1: Um, they like, you know, count up all the populations in the different, the 12 tribes of Israel mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. But the conclusion of that census is what my Bible, my Bible scholarly notes refer to as a special problem, quote unquote. Okay. Which is that they add up, they indicate a population of about 2 million. Mm-hmm. And that like doesn't make sense. No. So if you take it literally, uh-huh. then that is about the population of Houston, Texas. Okay. So it's apparently that number of people wandering as a coherent unit through the desert. So that's cool. <laughs> that all seems uh above board and
0: realistic. I'm I have no problem with it. I don't I don't care whatever numbers they give. It's just like big numbers or whatever. I can't count to a, I can't count a million things. What does it matter whether it's one or two million? That's
1: why they called it numbers. It's just, you know, it's like numbers of people. Mm-hmm. It's like a bunch of numbers.
0: Absolutely. So this book includes a bunch of laws and stuff, just like the last one did.
1: Yeah, and a lot of them are actually repeated, yeah, like verbatim. Exactly, the fucking same. So we're gonna skip the laws for now, yay, and talk about the plot.
0: Because actual stuff happens in this book. Like this is part of the record of the Israelites' time in the wilderness. No.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, wandering through the desert for forty years. And complaining the whole mm-hmm. time.
0: Winding from basically step one.
1: So the complaining the complaining really gets into gear in numbers 11.
0: Right. That's when they actually start leaving. Because the first first part of it all is all set up, like you said. It's like they do the census, which the census is ridiculously repetitive, by the way. It's just like the same sentence over and over and over and over again with different tribes at the beginning of the sentence. Yes. Pretty painful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but not as painful as when the Israelites start complaining Mm -hmm. and then God just starts setting their tents on fire. Right. Um, And Moses has to pray and like calm God down.
0: And the thing they're pissed about is the fact that they don't have any meat.
1: Not just that they don't have any meat, but that they eat the same thing every single day, which is manna. And they're sick of eating that. They're hashtag sick of manna. Mm -hmm. They wish they were back in Egypt eating Quote, Cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic.
0: Yeah, that sounds great.
1: It does sound great, and they had as much fish as they wanted. They say,
0: mm-hmm. but <laughs> but they also want meat. They're like, they also want meat. Oh, what we'd give for some meat! But here's my problem with the meat complaint.
1: Uh huh. I have some problems with the meat complaint, also.
0: So here's my number one: every fucking ritual that they're supposed to do involves killing like six rams.
1: Like six rams.
0: What are they doing?
1: Maybe they could just. Eat some of the 75 flawless bulls that later, they have to sacrifice.
0: Later in the census, it's like they end up with millions of oxen and stuff. Millions and millions of donkeys and shit.
1: But they can't apparently eat any of it.
0: I mean, I understand you have to give the firstborn to God. The firstborn right. is God's, right. as we all know. That's but Apparently
1: fine. they're like sinning so much <laughs> that they're just constantly <laughs> slaughtering every lamb as soon as it's born.
0: Burning through them. But they can only sacrifice... The unblemished the flawless ones. ones. The, yeah, you're right. So, what the blemished ones you just got to put on the table. Uh, dude. Apparently, it's just like mana. They're on a it's all just mana, mana, mana cleanse.
1: And <laughs> mana cleanse. And God gets, quote, exceedingly angry. <laughs> and Moses, instead of trying to talk him down, starts being like, why did you give me all these shitty people <laughs> to right. take care of? Like, of all the people in the world, you had to give me these yeah
0: would that all the lord's people were prophets he says our hero everybody
1: (laughs) and now they want meat where am i supposed to even get them meat and then god goes like okay fine i'll give you meat and you'll have to eat it not for just one day or two days or five ten or twenty days but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it Mm -hmm. but then he's so pissed off that he doesn't even do that he gives it to him for one day and then just kills everyone who eats it. He gives him quail.
0: It's called a wind of quails.
1: A wind of quails. A wind of
0: quails blows off the Red Sea.
1: Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I didn't know that quails were aquatic birds, but they come from the Red Sea and anyone who eats them is a whiner and gets killed.
0: It gives very specific uh, dimensions on how much quail is both dropped on the ground and collected. Did you take a note of that?
1: I didn't. So Please give me those
0: numbers. <laughs> Um, the quails end up one cubit deep on the ground. It's about three feet of- Whoa. Three feet deep.
1: There's like three feet snow drifts of quails?
0: Mm-hmm. Quail drifts, yeah. It also says that a, a particular amount was the least that anyone gathered during oh. the day. And that amount was 230 liters. 230
1: liters. So I'm imagining, so that's like 115 soda bottles uh-huh. that you buy at Safeway.
0: Yeah, equivalent of that in quails. But, of course, if they're three feet deep on the ground, you'd be hard-pressed not to gather quails. That's they true. you just, like, get caught in your, in your shoes or whatever. Honestly,
1: it's kind of an embarrassment to only gather <laughs> 230 liters of them.
0: Right. God promises that quail will be coming out your nose, and he kind of delivers on that. That's true. Uh, numbers 12, we get this
1: amazing verse. Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Now... If you've listened to previous episodes, you know that my Bible asserts Moses wrote all of these books. Mm -hmm. But my Bible makes a special note to say that scribes must have added this part later. Of course. I think, actually, this is the best evidence they have that Moses actually wrote it. (laughs) Uh Because I don't know if scribes would be that motivated to say that he was more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth.
0: Plus, he's so handsome. So handsome. Very strong.
1: His... Siblings, Miriam and Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, you may remember them from previous episodes. Miriam put him in a basket to save him when from being killed when he was a little baby. And uh, Aaron did a lot of the speaking for him and is now like the head of the priest class.
0: Miriam is so far the only person, the only woman that's been called a prophet. So That's far. true.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're about to see how women prophets get treated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because Miriam and Aaron both start talking shit about Moses's wife and the reason that they're talking shit about her is that she's a quote-unquote cushite Mm -hmm. my bible says that might be referring to Zipporah the Midianite wife Uh or it might be referring to like a second unnamed wife sure um but in any case God gives Miriam leprosy for seven
0: days right
1: to punish her for this what happens to Aaron
0: Well, he sees the leprosy and then he's like, man, I should apologize. (laughs) Why why
1: doesn't he get leopard?
0: Well, only one of them needs to get leopard. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, of course, it's the woman.
0: Uh, The next portion of it skips forward or maybe resumes the journey. It's unclear.
1: So so we're like, I don't know, maybe 10 years into the 40 years, 20, who knows?
0: Regardless, they're getting closer to their destination, which to remind you is the land of Canaan that they've been promised. The promised land. Mm Mm-hmm. So fucking Moses sets up his like strike team zero to go undercover into these foreign lands.
1: Sends Joshua, his assistant, Joshua, um, Caleb, who's a tribal leader and some other tribal leaders. Yeah. He like sends them to do recon and see if there's like good farmland around places that they would want to live.
0: If there's anybody that's like militarily weak that they could that they could get over, et cetera.
1: And they come back and they say, like, okay, we found some primo land. It's flowing with milk and honey. Mm-hmm.
0: The grapes are tasty.
1: Um, but the problem is the cities are well fortified and also the people are
0: Nephilim. Some of them are.
1: Some of them are. Nephilim are people who are possibly the offspring of angels and humans,
0: mm-hmm.
1: possibly giants.
0: Well, they're definitely giants. Regardless of whether they're the offspring of human and, and angels.
1: Well, they might just be like on the larger end of human normalcy. Like they might be like NBA oh, they players. Ju- they might
0: just be slightly larger? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, that's,
1: uh, that's what my Bible says. I don't
0: buy that for a damn second.
1: What the spies that Moses sent out say are that like we seemed like grasshoppers to them.
0: Yeah. That's not an NBA player.
1: No, but it might be a poetic license because...
0: Poetic license revoked.
1: You notice that God is not happy with that response. Mm-hmm. He's like, y'all are being cowards.
0: The people of Israel are not ha- happy either. They were like, we sent you out there and we thought this would be easy. Like, this was promised land.
1: But these guys are like, no, we can't attack them because they're they're Nephilim. We're like grasshoppers It, it to seems
0: them. like a pretty sane response, all things considered.
1: Um, God's pissed about it. As usual, he kills all of them, all of those spies, except for Joshua and Caleb.
0: Because Joshua and Caleb turned around when people uh balked at the scouting report and they were like, We have to we have to be strong, you know? Like yeah. God promised it to us. Doesn't matter what the obstacles we have are, faith. we we shall overcome.
1: Yep. Yeah. And then like <laughs> Moses kind of addresses this by going to his people and being like, Okay, God's gonna give us this land just. Please don't <laughs> rebel against God. Just like whatever you do, just be faithful for like 5 seconds. Yeah,
0: they've overcome so many setbacks at this point and and he just has to keep it together for a little while longer. They're they're in the Transjordan. They're not far from the Promised Land.
1: And God is angry because he said his stated problem mm-hmm. is that the Israelites are refusing to believe in me. In spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed, my question is, mm-hmm. is that really the problem that the Israelites have with God, that they doubt that he exists? I know they've seen him hovering over the tabernacle mm-hmm. as cloud and as fire. They've seen all these miracles of manna and three feet quail drifts. Sure. Um, but maybe what they're actually mad about is having to sacrifice all of their animals so that they don't even have any meat to eat. <laughs> Or, like, maybe they're mad that they get exiled every time they have a skin rash.
0: You think the rules are too much? I mean, I I could kind of see it because God is asking for a lot up front, you know, with this promise of the promised land yeah, or whatever. And to be fair, he did help lead them out of slavery in Egypt.
1: Yeah, but, like, are they necessarily really doing... Any better right now?
0: Well, that's what they're asking. They think right. they think they're that they're not
1: right because like they had to kill three thousand of their own friends and family. Yeah, like right off the bat. Yeah, like straight out of straight out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. They have to eat the same thing every day. They can, like, get stoned to death for minor infractions. A guy in Numbers gets stoned to death for gathering wood on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. A guy back in Leviticus got stoned to death for, like, taking the Lord's name in
0: vain. Yep. We don't necessarily know how those conditions compare to the ones in Egypt being slaves.
1: Yeah, but these people themselves mm-hmm. seem to be saying that they had it better in Egypt. And mm-hmm. who am I to question their expertise on their own lives? Mm-hmm. I mean, you say, like, he's asking a lot up front, right? And he's, right. he's going to deliver on the back end. huh but in this very verse, like, when he kills all the spies, except for Joshua and Caleb, he also says, everyone who's over 20 is never going to see the promised land.
0: Right. Yeah. Don't trust anybody over 30.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's that's what he said. He said, steal this book. <laughs> um, so, like, morale seems pretty shaky at this <laughs> point.
0: God also des- describes himself as slow to anger. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> You tell yourself that buddy uh,
1: i think one of the ten commandments was don't lie oh shit so it's not super surprising that in chapter 16 of numbers um a few dudes named Korah, dothan and abiram mm-hmm.
0: i think they're kardashians or
1: something <laughs> kardashian um lead a rebellion of 250 men against moses because they say that Everyone in the community is holy. Everyone is like God's child.
0: Well, everyone is holy and the community is holy. That's established.
1: Well, but that's, I mean, that's their argument. And they say that Moses and Aaron are like basically getting uppity Mm -hmm. and that they're placing themselves above everyone, even though we're all chosen people. right? So Moses devises a test to see like who God really loves. Right. And it involves... Lighting incense. Now we know.
0: I love this. I love this. This is such a sneaky. This is some Han, Sh- Han Solo shit here, right? We
1: know from Leviticus that if you light incense wrong, God will fucking waste you. Yeah. It
0: doesn't matter who you are.
1: You. These were Aaron's two oldest sons, Nadab and Abihu, and they got burned right up for lighting their incense wrong.
0: And so Moses uses his knowledge, this traumatic incident where he saw his nephews burned to death in front of him, in in front of the tabernacle. And he's like, I'll trap these guys. I'll
1: trap these guys. So he devises a test where they have to light incense. And uh, if God is on Moses's side, then the earth will open up and swallow the rebels. Now, first of all, that doesn't seem like a super fair (laughs) Bet. Because if Moses is wrong, nothing happens to anyone. True. They take that bet because they're dumb. And guess what fucking happens?
0: All the rebels get burnt up at the tabernacle.
1: No, they get swallowed into the earth.
0: Well, the the people that like the incense do get burnt up.
1: Oh, okay. The, the incense lighters get burnt.
0: Incense lighters get burnt up.
1: But then everyone who was behind the rebels who supported them, they get killed by a plague. Mm. And so that's 14,700 people, which is... About the population of Imperial, California, mm. Hutto, Texas, or Glens Falls, New York.
0: Ooh. Well, I mean, to be fair, if you were actually rolling around with two million people, like disease is going to be a serious problem. Like there's no drainage, there's no sewage or anything.
1: That's true, although you are constantly moving. That's true. Um, but disease, you're right. Disease would be a serious
0: problem. Yeah, but when God starts that <laughs> plague he's like i'm going to wipe them all out like that's the last straw and mo and arod have to go to him and say like cool have to it calm him
1: down again yeah
0: have to have to cool his jets again yep. and so he restricts it only to about 15,000 people dead. Yep. this next part is bizarre because they once again end up in a place where they have no water and the israelites start complaining that there's no water and yeah they've been through this what re-
1: else will the israelites even do <laughs> except complain <laughs>
0: But they've been through this whole song and dance before, and Moses and God like split a rock and the rock started spilling water out and yeah, everything. God was fine. had
1: Moses strike the rock with his staff mm-hmm. and the water came out.
0: And so this time they go to Moses and again they're like, Where's water? And Moses goes to God. They start to set up the whole same routine, except Moses and Aaron go back to the people and they say, We will split this rock and water will flow forth. And they do it. Water starts flowing and God is pissed.
1: Because he wanted them to do it a different way this time. Mm -hmm. He wanted them to just like pray and not hit it with their staff or whatever.
0: Yeah. They had to show that it was God doing it, not Moses and Aaron. And that's it. They're cut out of the will.
1: Bam. (laughs) That's all it takes. Yeah.
0: It's like a horrible family dinner. Yeah. It's just like...
1: (laughs) Oh, girl. I've had that family dinner. Um... Then in Numbers 20, we flash forward to year 40 of wandering in the desert. I mean, people are still complaining. If you think about how long this is, like, people have lived and died. Like, people have been born and died. Mm -hmm. Um, Miriam dies. Aaron dies. They start reaching land that's more desirable. Mm -hmm. That isn't just, like, barren desert. Um, The Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, has his army attack them. But the Israelites win, and mm-hmm. they get to take over their land. So, at this point, they've they've had a military victory and they've gained some land, but they're still wandering. A few more armies attack them: mm-hmm. the
0: Amorites and the Bacchalites and the, <laughs> the
1: whoeverites.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the Israelites always win, and they're so they're slowly gaining a little more land each time. Um, but they're still not in the promised land where they want to be. But in Numbers twenty-two. They reach Moab, they reach the Jordan River, Okay, and across that lies the Promised Land.
0: Got it. But before they go there and before we go there, we should take a quick break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back.
1: Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts.
0: Oh, Uh, hello. I didn't see you there.
1: (laughs) When we, uh, previously on Sunday School Dropouts, we were with the Israelites um, who were camped on one side of the Jordan. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to cross it and go into Moab. We're going to pick back up with the Moabite King Balak.
0: Mm. This story is awesome. I love this this story. It is from a different book. It is not from this Bible. <laughs>
1: yeah, it really um it does seem like way more of like an oral tradition sort of myth as opposed to like
0: What tipped you off was the fact that everything is repeated 3 times or the fact that there's a talking dog?
1: No spoilers. <laughs> um so Balak doesn't want the Israelites. You mean Balaam. No. Balak is the king. you're right. My bad. Did you say
0: Balak is the monkey king?
1: No, I did not say that.
0: Uh, I got a little excited for a second.
1: Uh, I'm talking about Balak (laughs) Obana, the king of Moab. He's not my king. Uh, He saw what the Israelites did to the other armies, Mm -hmm. the Amorites and all them, and he doesn't want the same thing to happen to him. So he calls up Balaam. Okay who my scholarly notes describe as an internationally known prophet, (laughs) which
0: I... (laughs) That is a bizarre way to describe it. it.
1: It's like hit recording artist, (laughs) Balaam. (laughs) Prophet to the stars, Balaam.
0: It's kind of what he is.
1: Um, And he wants Balaam... Balak wants Balaam to curse the Israelites so that they won't defeat him in battle.
0: Yeah, he wants a little bit of that juju because he knows
1: um was that a pun was juju spelled (laughs) j-e-w-j-e-w
0: that's pretty offensive so yes (laughs)
1: um but god appears to balaam and so i'm gonna stop
0: you right there because this internationally known prophet has Uh like a real actual line to the hebrew god where did he come from who is this guy how does he know god i mean i thought all the prophets were like with the hebrews
1: I think that God is, like, interceding on behalf of the Hebrews. He's like...
0: <laughs> oh, an interesting theory <laughs> he, approaches.
1: He's going to talk to this non-Hebrew guy who normally is is just doing pagan magic.
0: Oh. But since it's going to be
1: in the Hebrews' favor, he's going to speak to him.
0: Oh. Oh, so this is the first time they're talking. I believe so. That is an interesting interpretation. It, it, it closes a lot of loopholes.
1: And I taught Sunday school to children for 4 years. Mm-hmm. So, I think I know what I'm talking about. Um but so God speaks to Balaam and says, "You can go, you can answer this summons, but you can only do what I tell you to do." Right. Next morning, God apparently forgets that he said this mm-hmm. because when Balaam goes to join Balak, uh God puts an angel in his way. Balaam's just like riding on his donkey down the path. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see the angel, only his donkey sees the angel. Right. And the donkey veers off the path.
0: And the angel shows up again in a little, in in the small path. And the donkey again tries to warn Balaam.
1: The donkey like crushes him up against a wall Mm -hmm. trying to, trying to escape the angel. And Balaam keeps getting angrier and angrier and he's beating the donkey. And he's like, I wish I had a sword so I could kill you right now. Which, who travels on the road without a sword?
0: I mean if you're an internationally known prophet.
1: Seems like that would be even more reason for people to want to cause you harm. But whatever. That's that's not for me to judge. Oh, last thing is the donkey like lays down mm-hmm. and refuses to move. Because um, the angel
0: is blocking the way yet again.
1: Yeah. And Balaam's losing his shit, beating the donkey, who is who is represented as a female. It says she. Mm-hmm. And then God opens the donkey's mouth. And she says, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam appears unfazed by the fact that his donkey is talking. He's just like, uh, because you're being super annoying right now.
0: (laughs) Well, he says he's spent like they've spent their whole lives together, this donkey and this and this itinerant prophet. The donkey says that. Mm -hmm.
1: She says, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? no (laughs) she's making a lot of sense Mm -hmm. you know only then does god open balaam's eyes Mm -hmm. and let him see the angel and then he's like oh man i'm super sorry
0: and then at the end of that story god reminds him again remember you can only say what i tell you to say
1: you can go but you can only say what i tell you to say
0: yeah we just heard this we just
1: went over this you did not need to make a donkey talk To drive this point home, I already heard you. And if he was just going to show Balaam the angel anyways, why make it so that only
0: the donkey could see?
1: To me, I think that this donkey is like the most respectfully treated female character (laughs) in the whole book of Numbers.
0: Mm.
1: Um, So I kind of appreciated her.
0: Fair enough. But God also expresses his disappointment with Balaam. He's like, I see your perverse nature. You know, I see you beating your friend donkey even when the donkey was trying to save you. It's like, you fucking engineered the situation by which he thought his donkey was going crazy.
1: Like, he's an internationally known prophet. He should he should be above this by now.
0: What should, what's the proper response? What's the godly response if your donkey sees an angel and freaks out? What are you supposed to do? The donkey took another path three times. And each time, ta- or took another path twice at least. And both times there was an angel in the way.
1: This was not in Balaam's writer. <laughs> he demanded guacamole made by a certain recipe. <laughs> He's not used to his donkey going on the wrong path. He
0: tasted cilantro, and so he's walking.
1: He's walking. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he makes it to Balak's palace, whatever. Um, And they, they have their first oracle ceremony. Right.
0: He sets up seven shrines on a hill overlooking the Israelite army.
1: And those each, the seven shrines all involve sacrifices. I think it's a bull and a ram for each shrine. Yeah, something like that. And um, Balak is expecting him to curse the Israelites. Mm-hmm. That's what he hired him for. That's, That's what he brought deal. him here for. Yeah. And instead, he comes out of this oracle and like recites a poem about how the Israelites will triumph and God loves them.
0: Mm-hmm. And Balaam says, oh, you know, I told you, I only tell you what God says. So this isn't going to change, but let's do it again. And Balak's like, maybe if you had a different vantage point, you'd be better at cursing the Israelites. So they
1: go to another place, they do the same thing, seven altars, uh, and he just comes up with a different poem about how God loves the Israelites. Mm -hmm. And then they repeat this five times total. And at the end, Balak is just like,
0: Why are you messing with me? Dude,
1: whatever. Just leave. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so Balaam leaves.
0: And that's the end of the story.
1: But that's not the last we're going to see of Balaam.
0: No, confusingly. The Israelites are now like, Rampaging through the Transjordan, you know, they're, they're taking down armies, capturing cities.
1: They're staying in a place that is probably pronounced Shittim, mm-hmm. but looks like Shittim. Mm-hmm. And they're acting pretty shitty in Shittim, which is to say <laughs> the men are sleeping with Moabite women. That's right. And the Moabite women are tricking them into worshiping this god Baal. B-A-A-L.
0: Which I think should be pronounced Baal. I think that sounds much more sinister.
1: I think it does sound more sinister. And I think that's probably closer to the original pronunciation. Mm-hmm. But in Marca, where we live, these United States.
0: In in where? I'm sorry.
1: Marca. <laughs> we pronounce it Baal.
0: Got it. So, but it's not like they're just tricking the people into worshiping Baal. Like you have to offer sacrifices to Baal, you know?
1: Yeah, but they're tricking them like... With their feminine wiles.
0: Oh. What are feminine wiles, Lauren?
1: (laughs) I'll tell you when you're older. Oh. Of course, God is not happy about this. No. (laughs) He looks like an idiot in front of Baal now, basically. (laughs) Like, Baal's just rubbing it in his face.
0: It's like, saw your Israelites out there in Moab. Yep. Made a couple of sacrifices to me they did. God's like, no, they didn't. They wouldn't do that.
1: Turns out they would.
0: Uh
1: Get some of that Moabite uh, (laughs) poussé. So the Lord, of course, says to Moses, Take all the leaders of these people, kill them, and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. And he sends a plague. You know, to kill all the people who are worshiping Baal,
0: right? And there's also like physical violence too, not just plague. Like Mo is put in charge of killing a whole bunch of sinning Israelites. Yes,
1: and um, Aaron's grandson Phineas, Eleazar's son Phineas, uh, takes a spear and impales an Israelite and his Midianite girlfriend mm-hmm.
0: Mid- in co- midcoitus.
1: <laughs> oh, is it midcoitus?
0: Well, the thing is, he spears them. With one thrust of the spear, he gets them both. Hmm. So they're like they're
1: they're like near each other in
0: the act. Oh. Is my is my assumption?
1: And that's actually what stops the plague.
0: Yeah, that double kill is enough to like excite God so much that he stops the plague right there, and he also gifts Phineas a covenant of peace—the first covenant of peace we've seen.
1: Is this like when Henry Kissinger got the fucking Nobel <laughs> Peace Prize?
0: Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. Like. It's like it's like he gets a total like a oxymoron. he gets like a field commendation for this gnarly way of killing two people.
1: The super weird part about this is that Moses's wife Zipporah uh-huh. is a Midianite. Right. His wife Zipporah actually saved Moses from being killed by God when she emergency circumcised like We already remember this. We
0: all remember the story of the emergency circumcision.
1: Yeah. A a bridegroom of blood. Mm-hmm. Um but when this new Israelite is, like, flaunting his Midianite girlfriend, then that's enough to kill 24,000 people I in a the plague. they were pissed
0: about the Moabites anyways.
1: 24,000 people, by the way, about the population of our hometown, Lafayette, California. Hmm. Imagine if everyone in our hometown died of a plague. That would be sad. Just because one idiot was worshipping Baal, <laughs> like, sleeping with a Midianite. Uh, but anyway, Phineas stops that with his brave spear thrust. Yes. We've got this intense narrative momentum going, right? We've got mass death. We've got spear thrust. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, the author of Numbers, who may or may not be Moses, takes this opportunity to give us another census. Drops,
0: drops another hot census on us. Yum.
1: And uh, we just get... All about all the leaders of the twelve tribes and their descendants and all their sons and all their fathers.
0: Flip a couple pages there, Christ.
1: Uh, Not Christ. Christ hasn't been born yet.
0: Because this, but isn't the important thing about this census? Like, okay, we did it. All the old generation is dead. You know, we killed our parents.
1: (laughs) Yay, we killed our parents. That means
0: that everybody in this census, the second census, is like clear to enter the promised land.
1: Yeah, more or less.
0: And it's interesting that even with all of the various purges and rebellions and plagues and whatever, the number of people is like pretty much the same.
1: Yeah, because I guess they were they were being fruitful and multiplying. Yeah, you can time.
0: you can make up those numbers. So, like, what are we getting all up in arms about? Twenty four thousand people here, ten thousand people there. <laughs> like, whatever. Our
1: hometown's small. Yeah, we could lose that. That wouldn't matter to those California. Are just grains
0: of sand to the Israelites, you know.
1: Um, then we get to uh, Zelophehad's daughters. I think Zelophehad is one of many amazing names in the Book of Numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that brings us to a little segment that I like to call Hate the Player, Not the Name, where I read you some names and you tell me if it's actually from the Book of Numbers or if I just made it up.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be answering these questions, but you should also at home shout them out in your car or the subway or whatever. Everybody will be delighted.
1: The first question, are you ready? Yes. Great. First name. Okay. Joshub. Joshub? Is it real or is it fake?
0: Well, let's think of better distinctions for those.
1: Is it a name from the Book of Numbers or did I just make it up?
0: Okay, thank you. Joshub. Uh Joshub is from the Book of Numbers.
1: Correct. Second question.
0: The B is for bargain. Goonie. Spelled how?
1: G-U-N-I. Goonie? Is it from the book of numbers or did I just make it up?
0: I think you just made that up.
1: Wrong. Goonie is a real dude in the book of numbers. (laughs)
0: Okay. What did he do?
1: Well, I know what he didn't do, which is die because Goonies never die. (laughs) Next question. Malu.
0: Malu? Uh, You made it up?
1: I did. Well, I didn't make it up. It's a common nickname in Brazil for people named Maria Luisa.
0: Okay. Noted.
1: But it is not in the book of numbers. However, the name Palu
0: is. That's right. I saw that. And that's like a, that's a, an an island, right? No, that's Palau.
1: Shut up. Next question. Okay. Mushi. Mushi spelled how? M-U-S-H-I.
0: Mushi. I I think you made Mushi, yep.
1: Mushy is real. Oh, no. Mushy, mushy. <laughs> Next name is Nebula.
0: Nebula? Well, I mean, nebula is a word. Hmm. I'm thinking, I'm looking at your shifty fox like eyes. Fox like eyes of a rat. A rat who made this name up. It's not in numbers.
1: It is not in numbers. Yeah, correct. Next question. Serial.
0: Serial? That's from numbers.
1: That is not from numbers.
0: Well, I think you may need to check again because I. It is
1: actually a name that I made up based on the personality that inhabits everybody's iPhones. What? Serial is like if the lady on our iPhones.
0: Was from Krypton?
1: Was was um named in hebrew after god
0: oh okay you know okay like okay. ariel
1: means like lion of god sure uziel means like sword of god or shield of god or something Seriel means a uh, computer helper of god
0: oh it's also what you have for breakfast every dig dang day
1: oh snap and last question mm-hmm. last name are you ready Carmi.
0: Carmi. Uh, is it
1: from the book of numbers or did i just make it up
0: it sounds like a startup so I'm gonna say it's from numbers.
1: That's correct. <laughs> the Torah is a a rich font of startup names.
0: A rich font, like
1: like Comic Sans.
0: <laughs> Thank you for being quicker on the draw with the fonts than I am. <laughs> no developer eye. <I>.
1: So anyway. <laughs> Back to the back to the plot of numbers. Do we have
0: to go back? Can we just play quizzes instead?
1: Uh, no, we got to go back. We got to tell the people about Zelovahad's daughters. They can read it themselves. Because Zalova had no sons, and therefore his inheritance went to his daughters. This was apparently unprecedented. So they all married their male cousins on their father's side. And that was a great solution that everybody loved and God was happy with. <laughs> oh, what else do we got here? Uh,
0: so where do the fucking Israelites end up here at the end of this book? You know... they
1: attack and defeat the Midianites. Yes. Um, The fact that Moses' wife is a Midianite is just kind of glossed over. Yeah. Um, One of the Midianites they kill is Balaam. He was there. Seems kind of harsh considering that he, like, God spoke to him directly.
0: He's one of a very few, like, true prophets, right?
1: (laughs) And, like, he helped the Israelites out, but they killed him. And that was cool.
0: They killed everybody in Midian.
1: Well, they didn't kill the women and children, because what happens is they plunder all the all the stuff the right. Midianites. So they they take all their goods and they take their women and children, and they bring them back. And Moses gets mad at them for letting the women and children live, and so he has them kill all the women and children except for
0: the virgin women. Of the course. virgin women, and yeah.
1: he says those you keep for yourselves. Mm-hmm. This is it's described as plunder and as spoils those are the words that my bible uses mm-hmm. and um at one point it says there's 675,000 sheep 72,000 cattle 61,000 donkeys and 32,000 women who had never slept with a man
0: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know just
1: like yep. another form of livestock <laughs> that's right uh and then you know god says like one out of every 500 of the spoils has to go to him, yeah. including the virgins. And then one out of 50 has to go to the Levites, right. who are like the priestly class. Um, and that includes the virgins, too. So it, it'll be like, you know, so this number of sheep went were sacrificed to God. And this number of cattle and this number of donkeys and this number of of people, which is apparently the virgins. Right. I do not know... What happens to those virgins? I don't know if they're like burned like a sacrifice. No, no, no.
0: But human sacrifice is a big no no.
1: I mean, it is if you're sacrificing your kids to Molech. Yeah. Or like to Baal. But
0: that was one of the first covenants that he made with the Jews was no more sacrificing people.
1: Oh, okay. I mean I guess that's that's true. So I don't know what these virgins do. Maybe they just become like labor for the tabernacle or something.
0: Sure, shield maidens.
1: Shield maidens? Mm-hmm. What are shield
0: maidens? I don't know sounds cool though right you just hold them in front of you when you go into battle <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, uh i wasn't thinking of it like that but yeah that'll work
1: and then uh numbers 33 we get a recap of all the places where they've wandered
0: yep for 40 years 42 stops yep. on the israel train
1: toot toot <laughs> um and that's that pretty much takes care of the lot for numbers they're still they still haven't crossed the jordan they still have not entered the promised land correct and god has told them that like anybody who was under or who was over 20 when you left egypt will not cross into the promised land because you were also fucking whiny mm-hmm. and so joshua is going to be moses's successor and he's going to lead the next generation to the promised land correcto now there's another aspect to the book of numbers that we haven't discussed yet which is the laws and a lot of the laws are just repeated verbatim. We already went over them in Leviticus, but mm-hmm. there are a few new ones. Did any stick out to you?
0: Some of them did. I mean, obviously, the test for faithful wives is like batshit crazy like that's that's some of the only like real goofy medieval magic like roll your own at home kind of magic, yes, that, that, we've that was seen in the very so like
1: far. witch trial, like. Salem witch trial type deal. Um, Do you want to explain the test for the unfaithful wife? Sure, yeah. I have
0: a little summary of it. So if a husband suspects his wife of unfaithfulness.
1: And it's just if he suspects. Like, it specifically says it's just if he's feeling jealousy. It's like the stand-your-ground law. Like
0: (laughs) How is it like the stand-your-ground law?
1: Like, if you feel scared, you can shoot someone and kill Ah, them. And if this husband feels jealousy then he can yeah. accuse his wife.
0: In the Bible, it's like, if the spirit of jealousy comes upon him. Yeah. So I guess in Florida, it's like, if the spirit of racism comes upon you. Exactly. <laughs> then you can shoot somebody down. Exactly. Not to get too political.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> so political not to, like, murder people in the streets.
0: In Florida, it's a different story. <laughs> but anyway, so if the husband feels jealous or suspects his wife of something, what he does is he brings this allegation to the priest and then the priest takes control and starts this ritual it's like five main steps um first he's got to prepare a magic potion this potion is pretty cool i think because he like the priest writes a curse in ink uh and then washes the ink off with this water and then so the water has the power of the curse in it and that That, along with some other ingredients, forms like the basis of the potion. Mm -hmm. The water of bitterness.
1: Yes, bitter water.
0: Pretty cool. Then the priest has to dishevel the hair of the woman.
1: Oh, dishevel. Mine just said, like, let her hair down.
0: Oh, mine said dishevel specifically. Mm -hmm. And that the notes also elaborated that it was sort of to imply the state of uncleanness. I just like the idea of the priest, like, tossing the hair. Just, like,
1: giving her a noogie.
0: (laughs) A ritual noogie. Then the priest has the woman hold an offering, uh, and and then drink the potion, and then she has to take an oath. That's basically like, you know, I swear that if I committed offense or blah blah blah, that so I shall be struck down and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the magic happens. If she was unfaithful and she just took this oath and basically like perjured herself in front of God, mm-hmm. then her uterus drops and her womb discharges.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And if she didn't do anything bad,
1: then she's fine. No problem. Now, so she'll basically she'll miscarry any pregnancy that she's carrying and she'll be infertile. My Bible's notes say, since it was in the bearing of children that a woman's worth was realized in the ancient world, this was a grievous punishment indeed. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe the grievous punishment was living in a world where your worth was only bearing children.
0: Every fucking day is a punishment. And like. Your husband could just haul you off at any moment at any
1: moment another there's some some other laws, like there's some trumpets
0: mm-hmm. they Let's deal with the trumpets before they have before they leave on their big journey during the first part of the book when they're God is laying out all the rules about the tabernacle, like describing what the camp looks like and everything. He tells mm-hmm. Moses to go. He he's told Moses to make a lot of things. True. I assume Moses delegates, but it's also kinda of funny to think of like Moses being like, Well, I don't know anything about making anything out of metal. So I guess I gotta learn <laughs> that now. Thanks God. I wasn't doing anything this week anyways. But he tells him to go make two silver trumpets and to blow them at various important occasions. I assumed that the two trumpets were for the I don't know, the Boogie Woogie Boogle Boys of Company B. <laughs> uh, but they could Actually
1: my Bible's notes say they're quote, blown for order and discipline. It's like some Foucauldian nightmare. <laughs> um, other laws. Oh, there's something about a red heifer.
0: That's not important.
1: Well, I want to put an asterisk next to the red heifer.
0: Is she going to be a guest?
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, if she were, that would be very newsworthy to certain groups of Christianity right now. Let's see. I like uh, if you make like a vow or an oath. Mm-hmm. You are basically bound by God's law to keep it unless your woman and your father or husband forbids it.
0: Right. And these vows or oaths are like vows and oaths of a religious nature or of a spiritual nature. Are
1: they? Uh, yes. Like, okay. That's what
0: the notes made very clear. And they like offered okay. some like translations from the Hebrew notes that were like this phrase only appears when talking about spiritual okay. stuff. I so wasn't it's not sure. just like a promise. It's not like I'll take out the garbage and then you fuck it up and... That's it.
1: And then you have to be like, my dad said I couldn't. <laughs> um, um, And the last law is really interesting. The cities of refuge. I didn't 100% get this. So basically, the Bible sets up.
0: I know San Francisco is a...
1: Is a refuge city. Yeah. Like that's still, that's probably named after this biblical concept. I don't know for sure. But um, this, the cities of refuge...
0: Six out of the 40 that are given to the Levites, because the Levites get 40 cities.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so the Levites get 40 cities, and six of those are to be designated as cities of refuge. Right. And what that means is if you kill someone, then you can flee to that city, and that way you won't get, like, revenge killed before you can stand trial.
0: Uh, uh, like, uh. no
1: one can enact vigilante justice on you because you're safe in this refuge city. Got it. And then, so then you stand trial, and if you're guilty of murder, then you get the death penalty. Right. But, as we established in Genesis or Exodus, Exodus or something, I think. Um, there is a difference between murder and manslaughter. Correct. And so, if you just committed manslaughter, if it, if you killed somebody by accident, then you are not put to death. Instead, you just, like, live in the city of refuge. And nobody can hurt you.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. What a weird concept. Yeah. It's kind of of nice, though, because it acknowledges like the fallibility of human law. Yeah. You know, it's like we know God's law is perfect, but in execution, you might find that (laughs) (laughs) there's some give and take.
1: And my Bible had some notes about like how justice, the justice system was kind of a patchwork of like... Top down holy laws mm-hmm. and bottom up tribal laws. Mm, interesting. They didn't want tribal justice to get in the way of God's justice.
0: Makes sense. And that's like it. So, those are all of the like interesting laws from the book. What did you think of this one? I mean, like you definitely expressed a lot more negativity about reading this one than you have any of the previous ones so yeah,
1: far. Yeah. This was, this is my least favorite one so far. Oh, wow. For sure. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of repetition that was just unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, I just I couldn't find this is this is what we say in uh, creative writing workshops. Couldn't find a character to root for. (laughs) You know, like all the Israelites were fucking whiners. Yeah. God is just a tempestuous, impulsive, abusive jerk. Uh Moses and Aaron are clearly just exploiting the rest of the israelites <laughs> and like they're not doing anything that i find especially noble or good okay. they're just like making bronze snakes and eating everybody else's ram leftovers
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. so again a lot of negativity of getting here
1: yeah so I-, I was not uh not a huge fan of the book of numbers okay although i did love the talking
0: ass so i think we were already sort of there but do you want to, I don't know, rate this book? Rate this
1: book? <laughs> Put numbers to numbers? mm mm-hmm. uh, Yeah. I'm going to give it 3 out of 10 bronze snakes.
0: Oh, wow. Is that your lowest rating yet?
1: That's definitely my lowest rating yet. Although I have to applaud the literary device mm-hmm. of, you know, like I suffered while reading this. Mm-hmm. And that did perhaps to bring me closer to the suffering of the israelites mm-hmm. or perhaps the suffering of moses having to deal with the israelites or perhaps the suffering of god having to deal with both moses and the israelites mm-hmm. it was not an enjoyable read for me
0: that's too bad that's too bad i'm really sorry to hear that
1: how did you feel about it
0: i have to give it 3 out of 6 tricky moabite women
1: tricky moabite women mm-hmm. Would you care to elaborate on that?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I can skip over some repetition. It's fine. You know, we can move past that. And the the repeating of the laws and the clarifications and stuff, I'm I can I'm willing to accept a fair amount of that. Uh, but I really like the Balaam story, like I said. I liked certain other parts of it, like descriptions of the Israelites' conquest and everything. I, it reminded me kind of like a narco corrido, you know, like, oh like a song about the exploits of these... Of this band of of uh, adventurers or whatever. I see. Kind of like that.
1: Even though it's like depraved and immoral, <laughs> but it still makes for like a good corrido. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: The negative parts are like, come on, Israelites with the moaning and the whining. Dude, I would moan and whine too. I understand that. But like somebody's got to pull them together and be like, look, it's not so bad. You know, we'll get there. It's going to be fine. But they're moaning and whining up all all the time.
1: But instead of pulling them together, they just, like, kill large swaths of them. Yeah. That's never going to improve morale. It's like beatings <laughs> will continue until the morale improves.
0: It's exactly like that. So from my modern perspective, I was a little frustrated with the with the choices that some of these characters made.
1: All of them. That's the problem.
0: <laughs> so that's my rating. Well, Tell me it improves next week.
1: I have no idea, actually. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, I don't know what happens in the book of Deuteronomy. But... We have a great episode planned for y'all. Yes. We're really excited about it. So that's all for now. If you want to find out more about the show, you can go to our website, which is sundayschooldropouts.lol.
0: Alternatively, you can find us on Twitter. We have a Sunday School Dropouts account, which is at sunschooldrop. And we're also on Facebook at Sunday School Dropouts. We would love to hear if you have comments or anything like that, feel free to if you want to like leave a review on iTunes with your comments, you can do that. Alternatively. Maybe give us you
1: can, a little little rating. <laughs> give us five out of five bronze snakes or something. Sure,
0: <laughs> five out of five tricky mobite women, if you yeah. want. If you want. Alternatively, you can contact us through the website or through any of the platforms we just mentioned. We would love to hear from you if you have thoughts on the show. Um,
1: Thanks to Elise Carlton for our amazing logo.
0: Absolutely. Logo and art is beautiful. Thank you to everyone that provided the music for these episodes.
1: That was all Nico. (laughs) Oh, was it? He was just pulling a Moses. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, just the most humble man that existed on the face of the earth over here.
0: (laughs) And thank you to you, the listener. And also thank you to the big man upstairs. Big man upstairs. You know who I'm talking about.
1: Our upstairs neighbor. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And
0: I'm Nico Bakulich.
1: And we'll see you on Sunday. Bye.